All right, so we are hitting. We're hitting we're the road. We are doing this again. Uh, we just got our coffee from the nicest gas station I've ever been in. After my staying, gosh, I wanted to stay there. After staying in the nicest hotel I've ever been in. Really? That that it really was the nicest hotel. Yeah, we we don't usually splurge. Like where do you guys? Have, you don't have to. I guess whatever's cheapest. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, unless what we should do is we should charge places we, we should have people pay this podcast to not mention their names because anytime we mention somebody a, a business we're going to make fun of it and I wonder I wonder if there's a market for that where we go around and charge businesses money like what would that be extortion would that be uh, blackmail <laughs> what would we what would we be doing <laughs> With, like like our sponsors are people who pay us to never speak their name there's something to be said about paying Order to be made fun of. To stay on Old Milton Parkway. Like it's still publicity, and if it's the it's the thing you're known for of finding funny ways to tear down businesses, like finding the most minuscule things that aren't even that big of a deal, mm-hmm. and acting like it's. This is actually giving me an idea. So we all right. So we stayed at even hotels. Continue and straight to stay on Old Milton Parkway. Luke was obviously very impressed. Yes, it was awesome. About what? About the bed felt like I was sleeping on top of sheep. You just sank in. There was, well, there, was we actually, there actually were some sheets. I said sheep. Oh, sheep! <laughs> <laughs> I got the hearing aids in, but they're not. They're not excellent. Yeah. It felt like sleeping on sheep. Like, their goal was not efficiency with this hotel. Like, there were so many extras that were just to make your stay a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, if you are into fitness. Mm-hmm. There was a exercise ball in the room. There were and several exercise things. There were yeah, the back rollers. What were those foam things? That, that foam block. What, is, what do you do with that? I don't know. It's probably important, though. Continue for two miles. Uh, and they had the most, the most bestest lemon mint water in the lobby. I wanted yeah. to just take the whole Luke was, canister. He did. Luke, Luke tried to take the whole canister, and they said, "We're sorry, sir. We want you to enjoy your stay here, but please leave the lemon water <laughs> for other." And the check in and check out was like, what a combined thirty seconds process. Uh, yeah. I, that's quite a bit better than I'm familiar with. So. Yeah, you're used to being, like, body cavity searched on <laughs> yeah. the way out. So, anyway, good job, even hotels. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll come up with something to nitpick about, but I haven't yet. Okay. Well, and so now we're driving home, and you felt compelled to I, record I feel, our conversation. I feel like we recorded on the way down, and they need some sort of... Debrief. Debrief, mm-hmm. yeah. How'd it go? How was, how was the Simperfy Bar and Grill in Woodstock, Georgia? Uh, we didn't mention the Semper Fi, but, uh, well, for my experience, I, I would, I would like to know your experience. I've, I've done, I've done so many shows, um, that I'm kind of, I'm kind of anti, uh, it's kind of anticlimatical when I describe shows because I, I'm never, I never am very effusive and detailed about it. It's like, oh, it was okay. It was good. It was fine. All right. Fine. Be that way. Um, mm-hmm. I was impressed from the moment we sort of walked in and met the owner. Um, 
he was he's everything that he said he always said with such passion like he was very very proud of, of what he'd started and he should be because it was very cool it was it was Florida wall mil military memorabilia a lot of the stuff had been donated um, veterans just and you almost couldn't find a place to stand where you weren't in the way it was so full of people having a good time mm -hmm. uh, that is true and I think I mentioned that the cool thing about the dynamic these are people who go to every one of these shows they don't miss them and so they also know each other and they knew each other probably before they even started going to that place but when you've got a crowd that is comfortable and familiar with each other and they're all there for comedy like it's just a recipe for success and the room was full and cozy and the sound was good and yeah I mean that's a good point that is a good point that those people knew each other uh, before as a result of being at the restaurant I think those people met each other because it's all themed the around veterans at the it's traffic circle owned the by a veteran and, stay on Rucker Road. and it's there for veterans mm -hmm. and so I think that those people you're right knew each other from various other interactions at that place and so they were a community they were and the only other time I've experienced something like that was that when we did that show in another very tight cozy room at the at a golf country club mm -hmm. where the, the whole neighborhood would show up at all of these and they knew each other and yeah if I could only do shows for for housing time, associations yeah. and, and veteran owned and, yeah. bars and grills like that would be the life because yeah. they it took them about five seconds to get comfortable and uproarious and, and yeah it's true so that was it almost gives you a false confidence because I mean they, they literally laughed at anything and so well that's, a, that's not entirely true it's not entirely true and you even even in front of hot crowds even even in front of crowds that are really uh, easy there is still a level that you have to achieve there's still a standard I mean they it feels like they'll laugh at anything but they won't there's if, if you're not genuinely funny uh, at least a little bit funny. <laughs> they won't. They won't laugh, and they will. Uh, they will shut down. I will say that not only they felt comfortable laughing, they also felt com comfortable giving their opinions on your opinions. Mm -hmm. You know, like I have a joke, you know, that mentions feminist, and there was a woman who was freely giving her opinion, mm -hmm. and yeah, like I mentioned, you know, my height. Or of my height or even shorter she would say hey I'm short too and so I was like oh cool so it was very interactive mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was fun wasn't it it was fun I thought it was if you had only introduced me as a friend you had brought along like mm -hmm. I feel like I would have played with that called you out for not for not mentioning <laughs> for distancing myself yeah. From... yeah I brought a friend with me yeah well I thought about that in, in... <laughs> real time as I was introducing you. It's like, I brought a friend with me, and in my head, it's like, he's your son-in-law, you can't introduce him as a friend, that'd be... Like, ouch. But if I had... If he's funny, I will let them know that he's my son-in-law. Right. <laughs> right. Well, knowing that, I might, I might do that in the future, just so you can mock me for... Take the next right onto Georgia I you as a member. It was a, uh, you no. Know, from my point of view, 
it was Continue on Georgia one good. west for eleven miles. It was good to be um, just back on stage. I told Luke that it has it's kind of reminded me, it kinda of takes me back to the early days of comedy when I would drive ridiculous distances to do a show in some backwoods, you know, bowling alley lounge or something like that. And and those most of those shows were not as good as that. Most of the most of the shows in the early days when you're when I'm just taking anything that's available because I need the stage time to work on my act. Um, many of those shows were really, really difficult. Or if not really difficult, they were just alright. You know, you didn't have very rarely did you have an audience that was super appreciative um, for various reasons. <laughs> but, uh, well, as fun as this one was and ones like it, I feel like those other shows probably made you a lot better faster. Oh yeah, they do. They do because you have to earn it. You have to for for every every audience that is that's easy and will laugh at anything like you say you, you need those you need to have those shows once in a while or else you'll you'll die of sorrow <laughs> um, probably on stage somewhere you'll just keel over and die look at that little castle yeah um and but most shows are you have to earn it and even if you are funny there are a fair number of shows where where they don't they don't react. They don't. They don't know that you're funny. They they don't. Uh, they don't go along with it. They don't give you any energy. And so the the process of developing a a good set, a, a reliable stand-up set, is really it's long and it's hard because you do. Not every audience is a good gauge of your material, um, the strength of your material. And I, I noticed that when I was doing open mics at the comedy club, that you know I'm doing this material and and working on it, and the audience is is there expecting dirtier material, more yeah. you know more vulgar stuff, and that's just where they're tuned. And so when I would do my set, I would I would do okay at open mics and if you're doing okay at an open mic <laughs> this is what I learned if you're doing okay at an open mic you're going to do really well in front of an actual comedy club audience because open mics are tough yeah so it does take a level of awareness to know what okay is because I think a lot of people think they're doing okay I don't know. You really have to sort of trust mentor advice when it comes to stuff like that. Well, you have to... I, I think that if you're going to do comedy in any form, and, and whether you're... You don't have to be a stand-up, but if you're going to... If you're going to tell jokes at, at company meetings, or if you're a preacher who's going to tell jokes, you have to be... You have to be self-aware. You have to know how the audience is perceiving you. And because the audience knows how they're perceiving you. And, and if your understanding of, of how things are going is different from their understanding, 
it's really awkward. It's awkward for them because in their minds they're going, oh my gosh, this guy thinks he's funny and and he's not. Um, so you have to have a sense of you have to have a sense of how things are going. And you know, in the case of a that doesn't, that doesn't even mean that the audience has to be laughing their heads off and falling out of their chairs. It just means that there has to, you have to understand how they're perceiving you. If they're, whether or not they like you, whether or not they're at ease listening to you talk. And, yeah, and being present enough to acknowledge when something missed or wasn't funny. Because mm-hmm. they know. And for you to completely ignore that something didn't land at all. Is... Right. Right. Well, and again, that that is going to depend on you know, yeah I could, I could talk about comedy all day long that's the thing I don't know if There's our audience so is many. into the nuts and bolts because I, yeah. I mean you could go into congruency from here and stuff I, but I don't, I don't know I, I just there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of psychology you can nerd out on but, this kind of stuff well you could just to sift through it all it's basically comedy is a sales job comedy is getting up on stage and selling yourself to the audience and if the audience is buying you, if they if they get you and they like you, then it's over. Then, then you can you can go wherever you want, you can do whatever you want, you can say whatever you want, because you've made the sale. But if the audience is still not sure about you, if they're you know if they're suspicious that you're going to pull something on them, <laughs> you're going you're going to rip them off in some way, then. Uh, then there's always a disconnect that doesn't work. So it's sales. You get up, sell yourself. The quicker you can do that, the easier you settle in, the audience settles in. And that's that's really the key to comedy, is making the audience comfortable, making them making them at ease. Because if they're uptight, they, they will not laugh. I wonder what percentage of comedians' day job is in sales of some sort. You think that's just like sort of a... Oh, I don't know type of personality that would be drawn to that specific anyway maybe well sales sales requires a certain type of uh, personality that that can take no a salesperson needs oh, to hear no and brush it off like when, nothing yeah and it's like okay on to the next one yeah. and that's difficult for most people most people take it personally when somebody says, no, I don't want your Cutco knives. <laughs> there, we've just mentioned Cutco now, too. We did. Yeah, I'm, we'll find something else that's wrong with it, though. Um, <clears throat> Cutco's a stupid name. There. Not for a knife. It, yeah, I don't know. Cutco? Yeah. Um, all in all, this trip to Georgia has been Amazing. I mean, I had the best quesadilla I've ever had in my life. That's true. We didn't mention that yesterday either. <laughs> Shout out to, what was that, El, El Dorado, <laughs> Mexican <laughs> something. Starting our new business model. Where we just... <laughs> I'm sure that they'll be listening and can pay. I'm sure they will. Except your business model was that we make fun of these places, not well, I made, about I made how fun awesome of their, their staff t-shirts, are. but I don't know if I can mention it on the podcast. No, that's true. <laughs> That was just one staff member, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was delicious and fun, and all because you had a hankering for... A taco salad. A taco salad. Because I'm not eating sugar right now and uh, carbohydrates. 
because I'm trying to see if my body hates that. Um, for a long time, I just haven't felt really good. I've been kind of stuffy. And my eyes have been bloodshot. Um, I have wounds that won't heal. No, I'm going <laughs> going too far now. But uh, I am. I just haven't felt well. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to spend a week, maybe two weeks, just purging my system of all sugar and carbohydrates. And truth be told, I had five or six uh, chips yesterday at that Mexican place. So I I don't know if that's falling off the wagon, but I definitely (laughs) was dragging some feet off the back end. You have always been a man of phases. So I'm not at all surprised to hear that you were going through a diet change phase well I I have no intention of making this permanent because it's awful I, I just <laughs> love bread I love it so much but I don't get enough protein and I don't drink enough water so I've been drinking a lot of water and by a lot of water I, I probably mean the proper amount of water and I would have no problem with that if I had that lemon mint water with me at all times. I'd probably get sick of it eventually. Maybe. Maybe. Well, yeah, I, I do get sick of water. Just straight up water. I get to a point where I'm like, I just don't want any more of this. And then, you know there's that thing that uh, where the people say you need to drink even when you're not thirsty to make sure you're getting enough water. I'm not sure. I mean... Maybe, maybe there's some truth to that because I guess it's possible. I know that I, I function in a dehydrated state most of the time and I'm just used to it. And I, so I, I think, yeah, I think that we can do that to our bodies where we just get it used to a different level. And people who don't sleep much at night can get their body used to a different sleep need. I would, I would argue that getting it up to the proper levels, it would be better overall. But yeah, you can... The body's yeah, pretty what, resilient. That's what I'm saying. I was I was about to make fun of people who say drink when you're not thirsty, but I thought, no, well, you don't apply that to any of the other intakes. Like, it's not, breathe when you don't, you know, when you or, don't or feel outtakes. suffocated. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, or eat. Eat when you're not hungry. Avoid constipation by pooping every two hours. Like, I can't do that. What? <laughs> pee, pee when you don't need to. Uh... So yeah, I also, uh, boy, we've, a lot has happened since we last talked to you. What else has Carl? happened? Is this oh, Carl? Oh, you got unfriended. I got on, I was trying to practice what I preach. You know, what we discussed about, we, we need to be, <laughs> these progressive Christians uh-huh. need to be confronted. Need to be confronted. And so, Luke, okay, go ahead. <laughs> and so, go as ahead. I was scrolling, I came across a progressive Christian who also happens to be a pastor and a comedian and a com- well now we're really narrowing down to people um, but yeah well this has been a long history of seeing things on my feed from this person of you know a lot of Black Lives Matter support and a lot of LGBT stuff support and, and a lot of and he posted uh, something stuff. about Roe versus Wade and a religious oppression and so I I did something I don't normally do which is comment and my comment was that you should step down. I mean, really. And I sent that off into the public sphere. And uh, yeah, when I, I would, I, I'm. This is not a criticism. I would never <laughs> criticize. 
but uh, that's not true. I would criticize. <laughs> but yeah, that I, I was that a little bit too sharp. Well, I don't know that it was too sharp, but it was in any sort of yeah, any any sort of suggestion that you should just step down, aimed at somebody like that. It's is not ever going to be received. No, it's never yeah. going to be received because they're going to be defensive. <laughs> uh, truth is truth, John. Well, it's true. But I would be defensive. Yeah. I would be defensive. I would need to know why. Why should I step down? You know, what is it that I have done that is true. to offend you? I, I did what you do where I didn't show my work. Yes. You, well, yeah, you didn't show your work. You said you were critical, but you but not not explicit and specific about what you were criticizing and so so his response was to simply unfriend you yeah I was waiting for something right I, I expected something immediately but after about an hour I, I was like something's up and because uh, normally if the person won't respond directly the minions will jump in and try to right. chew you away chew you up um, but there was but nothing. nothing happened and yeah. I was like what, what, what's this and then I realized that I had been unfriended right so and that's the difference between maybe maybe part of it is you're just used to interacting with me and you're like you should step down and you were expecting him to do a John Brannion thing which is come back and say oh why is that and then that would be off to the races because I would not unfriend you I would not I don't unfriend and block people uh, really, for any reason, um, around these parts, getting blocked is a badge of honor because it means you have. Well, for us, it means that we have uh, we have uh, been victorious in the in the debate, and the truth has won out. Now, some people who are motivated by different things than we are if they get blocked it's because they're just being tools yeah. you know, well you could argue that I was being a bit toolish you were being a bit toolish and, and I should have been a little more compassionate maybe but I don't know it was a long run of seeing those types of things but it, I'm right though like, you cannot hold the positions that he holds and be over a flock no I agree I agree and but I could have led him to that own, to his own conclusion, probably. Well, you could have, yeah, you you needed to unpack it. You needed to say something along the lines of, and, and telling him to step down is, yeah, it's always going to be, that's always going to be a, met with defensiveness. Whereas if you kind of back into it, like it's an interesting, interesting position for a pastor to hold, to be offended by the fact that the, you know, the government is now giving, letting the states decide whether or not they're going to murder babies. You know, it's like no, John, it, they are religiously oppressing. That's well, but see, that's that's what was fundamentally wrong with his quote was that there there's no religious oppression going on. Roe versus Wade is actually removing the oppression that the government has had in place for 50 years. Now you you've always had the choice to decide whether or not you wanted to Turn left to murder your baby. That's always been an option. You, you've always had the option to decide whether or not you wanted to become pregnant. 
And the, and the people who cite these statistics of what about rape? What about rape and incest with these poor children, these little girls who have no choice? It's like that number is so, so small that you don't, you don't set a policy for the entire country based on, based on minute statistics, based on, based on individual circumstances that happen rarely. And it's just, it's, it's not true. And so you've got... For six miles. Well, in anything where your solution comes down to, you know, murdering an innocent child is, I mean, it shouldn't even go past that point of discussion. It's like, nope, that's obviously not an option. What else can we do? Right. Right. And it's, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer, particularly for Christians. And that's where, that's where the argument needs to go. The, the argument for us and uh, with, certainly with each other, if you're talking to somebody who identifies as a Christian, the argument never needs to go to what's legal. The argument never needs to go to, oh, the government is oppressing us. And it's like, no, you're actually being, if you want to use the word oppressed, you're being oppressed by the word of God to treat uh, others as higher than yourself. You're, you're doing, you're supposed to not uh, cause children to be led astray uh, and murdering babies. Even if you even, even if you don't want to say that you're murdering a child, an abortion, abortion is a consequence that is, that is completely divorced from the person who perpetrated the crime. Right. You know, if you're going to say, well, this, this woman was raped, it's like, well, that's awful. But why should the baby be aborted? Because, because the father is a horrifying criminal. It makes no sense. And we're not allowed to shed innocent blood. And if there's any chance, any chance at all, that that thing in the womb is innocent, if there's any chance of that, then killing it is shedding innocent blood. And that's one of the things that the Bible says God hates. I hate the shedding of innocent blood. Is there any chance that that thing in the womb could not be innocent? I mean, it's done nothing yet. It hasn't even had a chance to... Right, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm laying it out there gotcha. so that somebody who supports abortion gotcha. can think about it. They would not argue that they support abortion. It should be safe and rare. The, the argument is we should not be pushing our religious views on others, which we've already discussed. Which we discussed is, earlier. Is an atheist position. Yeah, and if you're... If you are a Christian person who doesn't think that you should push your religious views on a nation when it comes to child sacrifice, then you need to get on your knees. Or, as Luke says, you need to step down. You need, you need to just quit identifying as a follower of God. I and, do feel a little bad now, but I can't make it right because he unfriended me. Well, you were driven by passion. That happens. Yeah. I've, I've, I've said some many, many terse, uh, inappropriate things because I was, because I succumbed to my immediate emotions. There's, there's truth, and then there's that whole truth in love business, and I didn't do the second part. Well, that's true. 
<clears throat> a lot of it depends on the relationship, but yeah, if you have... Yeah, there was none. If you're speaking in general, you can get away with more... You can get away with more truth and more bluntness, bluntness when you're not speaking personally to a person or two. Like, I would... I would have written and and still may uh, written an essay to that pastor without mentioning his name and posted that and I would have just used the impersonal you mm-hmm. you said this in fact I, I will do that you know this is a post that this guy made and then I would just take it apart and probably end with you should step down and any of your congregation who who argues about this I'm going to kill a turkey <laughs> Like these turkey buzzers just land in the middle of the street. Why? Why were they there? There's not even anything dead to eat. Um, but yeah, I, I would. You can, you can get away with a lot with impersonal use. And good grief! All I did was post "Hooray for babies," right? And, and set, it, set people's hair on fire. Yeah. Um, you're not pro-life. You're just pro-birth. It's like <laughs> the the thing about these these pro-choice people is that their their arguments are are sinister and and dumb and, and it, selfish. And it, it's completely founded on mischaracterization and and lies a lot of the times. Yeah, you're not pro-life. You're pro-birth. Well, how do you have life without birth? You know. So if you're but that's the that's where they're doing that's where they're doing the thing that you did you know where they're just like they're just making a statement and they're not giving you any sort of context for it that's their best that's their version of saying you should step down yeah it's like you're just pro birth you're not pro life and you force them to unpack that and say well you don't care about babies after they're born well that's patently false demonstrably false there are hundreds and hundreds of organizations there are thousands of people that are ready to take care of single mothers and babies that are born you know out of wedlock and so to just to just bitterly say well you don't even care about them you just want you just want to force women to have babies and then abandon them it's like yeah you're just a you're just a mindless godless heathen and you need to step down I've been a part of uh, uh, several <clears throat> trainings on, you know, civil discussions and how to have crucial conversations and all that. And one of the key concepts is don't make you statements like that. Right. And so it's violated right. that kind of. But well, <clears throat> see, it does. It does. It I'm shuts down. It up. makes it def- defensiveness is automatic. I'm glad you brought that up um, because I'm I'm talking about you statements that are impersonal you statements. And I, I was told that years ago, um, that, that same thing. When you're, when you're talking to people, don't say you because it's accusatory. And it, say and it, I think or I feel or right. you help say, me understand. I or say we, yeah. we this or we that. And I think that that has made our culture intellectually and emotionally weak. Because now we have a couple of generations of people who are shocked and dismayed when anybody has the audacity to say 
you need to stop doing what you're doing. You should not take your children to drag queen shows. You should not uh, enroll your children in pagan organizations. You should, and they're like, what, how, how dare you judge? How That's dare you your ju-? truth. Right. It's your truth and I have my truth. And so because we are, because we never accuse anybody of any wrongdoing, we never, we never say you, we always say we. And the problem with saying we sometimes is it's not true. Like when I say we have an alcohol problem, you know, in this church, well, we don't. I don't have an alcohol problem, but you do. And so it's not true to to say we, we need to, we need to fix our addiction. We need to fix our addiction to porn. Continue Uh, on Georgia 20 West for 15 miles. Maybe you do, uh, but I don't. I've got other things that I struggle with. And if I'm going to tell you what they are, I'm going to say, I have this problem. You don't have to say we. You don't have to include yourself in my problem in order for me to talk about it. I guess even statements like what I've been hearing was like, oh, the church has lost its witness. The church has lost its influence. The church has... I was like, maybe your church. I don't think you can. And I'm sure that your church has lost its influence if it's as progressive as you are. Yeah. Well, it's tricky. You know, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to lay down emphatic, immutable statements like you should never say we because that's not true right um but i guess what it boils down to is what's the what's the goal if you're if you're trying if you're trying to communicate truth then you want to you want to be as effective as possible in communicating truth and you will not effectively communicate truth if you make enemies of the people that you're talking to and so from that standpoint, it's good to be, uh, it's good to be gentle and it's good to be reasonable and it's good to be approachable. Um, and it's good to, it's good to say we, if you can, you know, if there's a way, if there's a way to say, look, you know, we have an issue here that we've got to go. Maybe the issue is that you're drunk all the time and you keep breaking my stuff and we have an issue, and the issue is that when uh, when we when you drink too much alcohol, <laughs> um, so it, the, the goal is just to communicate truth, and there are there are a couple of ways to do that. Many 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 Christian people prefer the gentle approach. They prefer the well, let's let's set a, a nice tone. Let's set a friendly tone. Let's be uh, let's be not be accusatory. Let's not let's, let's not judge people. Let's just put it out there in a gentle and winsome—that's the word—in a winsome way. Uh, the problem with that, as I see it, this is just a personal opinion, is that that's really boring and uninter- uninteresting, and doesn't have much impact because you're just another. Christian goody two shoes that's making suggestions about your phony baloney uh, religion. Yeah. Um, and it's, you've got your truth and I've got my truth. And so. It's sales where you don't 
have much enthusiasm for what you're selling. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And that's not effective. That's a good point. I think you should become a Christian, but if you don't, it's going to be okay. There are a lot of other knife companies, and they're all pretty good. Well, the thing is, there's a lot of nice people who are not Christians. Right. And so just being nice doesn't set you apart from the world. But speaking truth does, because there are a lot of nice people who don't speak the truth. And living based on the truth that you speak, where there's congruency there, it's like, oh, what are you, what are you doing, you know, standing over there, lonely, even though everybody else is doing this other thing. Right. Right. That can be uncomfortable, but it also makes an example. Well, the reason you get unfriended when you start suggesting that people's faith, that that their Christianity should affect their politics... The reason you get unfriended is because deep down, uh, everybody knows this. This is a thing that I believe is put into all human beings by God himself. And so the human, human beings know that they are responsible to a higher power, whatever they call that higher power. They know that there is something above them that is dictating the rules. And they know that they know that that killing children violates that transcendent authority even if they're not christians even if even if they're not quote unquote religious people everybody knows this and there are you, you can tell that because there's no there's no societies on earth there's no there's no tribes on earth that still throw children into the fire you know to get better crops but, but our society, our nation, the most advanced culture uh, to ever walk the planet is still debating, we're still debating whether or not it's okay to kill children because they're inconvenient to us. And that violates the, the core uh, of the core decency that is in all people. And when you come along and say, yeah, you're a preacher, you need to step down for this. The reason you got unfriended is because it's true, and he knows it. Yeah, I'd also argue that it wasn't. wasn't didn't really open much discussion. Yeah. I, I would do not follow that example, Carl. Um, be bold, but also yeah, have some more compassion than I did, probably. Because at, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm not, I'm not perfect, and... Uh, yeah, there, there is something to be said, not necessarily about valuing relationships over truth, but about valuing the person you're talking to as, you know, as a confused and lost person and not a, not a demon. Right. Well, that's where it gets tricky. It gets tricky to maintain, uh... Yeah, we're getting into deep water, but this is where people said that speak the truth in love. Speak the truth. We're supposed to speak the truth in love, John. I've had that verse quoted to me thousands of times <coughs> by people who don't love me very much. <laughs> and the reason they don't love me is because they're not being they're not being charitable with me. They're not being they're not being generous with me. They're they're doing exactly to me what they're accusing me of doing to other people. 
and that is being terse and being, and, and they're basically telling me to step down without any sort of context. And I understand why, because they're, they're mad, they're upset, they're, their emotions are triggered. But, but most of the time their emotions are triggered because, because they're wrestling with the Holy Spirit, not with me. And so, but they lash out at me because they, they can't shut the Holy Spirit up. And so what they do is they'll, they'll unfriend me or they'll yell at me or they'll call me names or they'll tell me to, to be more loving. And what they mean by loving is behave in a way that makes me feel more comfortable. That's, that's what loving is to a lot of Christian people. And you know, the New Testament pattern is, is not that. I mean, would you, would anybody say that Jesus was, was not loving when he overturned the money changers tables or when he rebuked uh, Peter? You get behind me, Satan. You're talking. You're, you're talking this. Was it? Was Jesus not being loving? There's. There is a uh, disconnect. People. People don't understand what loving is. People. People think that I'm. I'm loving when I'm a really nice guy and I'm easy to be around and everybody likes me. It's like, well, yeah, he must be loving. Well, that's. That's foolish, because the most evil people. The most evil people in the world know that if they're going to maneuver in society, they have to make people like them. You know, serial killers are among the nicest people you'll ever meet. That's how they get to be serial killers, is they, they win people over, to, they, they bring people over into their circle of friends because they're so nice, but they're just desperately wicked people. And we don't have a don't have the ability to discern. I'm saying we now. Did you know? Yeah, I did. We don't have the ability to discern, to separate nice people from from loving people, and that's a huge problem that we have. I feel like the theme to a lot of these progressive Christian uh, sermons and messages it, it basically boils down to how to sear your conscience and feel okay about. It. It's all about, you know, God's not mad at you. You know, everybody's broken. And, yeah, anytime you feel bad about yourself at all, any, any little inkling from the Holy Spirit, you know, don't worry about that. You know, that's just, right. that's just the, you, how many times have you been told, I don't want your voices in my head? Several. You know what I mean? It's like right. that kind of uncomfortable rock in your shoe type of type of stuff is right is bad and to be avoided well and those people right but they it's not my voice that's in their head they're, those are right that's the spirit and even after even after you're unfriended I suspicion that people don't feel better um and I if, if we're if we're going to be um people who speak the truth. If I'm going to be a person who speaks the truth, I have got to be prepared for the, for the fact that there are, there are people who don't want to hear it. And when they don't want to hear it, they are going to lash out and do sometimes really bad things to me. It's not the, 
not the things that they did to people in the Bible, at least not yet, not here in America, but, but the people who, the people who would label the apostles and Christ himself as unloving were the people who didn't like hearing uh, the truth. And I, I've been told many times that I'm driving people away from Jesus. Your tone and your demeanor and your, you know, your way of doing things is, is driving people away from the gospel. And I, I would rather, you know, just love people and have them come. But if you look to the, you look at the New Testament, those guys were always getting thrown in prison. They were always getting beaten. They were always getting kicked out of synagogues and thrown out of town and stoned and, and things like that. And they never changed their tactics. They didn't, they kept doing it the same way. And we we generally think of the people throwing them in prison and stoning them or whatever as these villains. But they were probably just regular, nice people. They were regular people who who disagreed with them. Um, and, and then the Bible also says... Which is one of the things that that's always kind of makes me laugh. Is the Bible says they preached this gospel and then they were flogged and they were beaten, but some believed, you know. And then that, that was it. I mean, the, the whole the whole growth of the church, the international Christian movement, is summarized in the Bible as but a few believed, and then that was it. Yeah. The Bible the Bible talks about all the hardships and the shipwrecks and the amount of pushback, the amount of resistance that they got, and then mentions casually, yeah, a few people believed even. Um, and so we don't know what the percentage was. We don't know how many people believed, but there were enough, and that was the only thing that they worried about. They didn't worry about the people who were going to flog them and stone them and reject them and mock them, and that they didn't, that didn't stop them. But our gospel the gospel that the, that the church preaches in America, those people do stop us. And those people have completely reshaped the way we interact with culture. Because first and foremost, uh, I'm concerned as a Christian that somebody's going to be upset with me for my views. And so I need to be very careful about not forcing those views on people and upsetting them because well, look what it did to the apostles, you know. They, they would have gotten flogged, so I'm not going to do anything to get flogged because I want everybody to like me. Sometimes I would say that's cowardice. Other times I would say that that's just them genuinely try to emulate what they think Jesus and the apostles were like. It just, right. And so it's not a, you know, not to call them out as... Um, I, I think it's really profound that Jesus said, you know, forgive them for they know not what they do as they were, you know, crucifying him. Because I would tend to think, if he hadn't said that, I would tend to think that they did know what they were doing. And I, I feel like the same would apply to those who were stoning the apostles. They didn't know what they were doing. Um, but I don't know, that doesn't sit well with me. Because I, I like to think that, yeah, they, they know exactly what they're doing. They're evil. But I feel like there's... There's something there I don't fully, I haven't fully unpacked. Yep. What what well, that means and what I'm supposed to do with that. Christ was. Yeah, they didn't know what they were doing. And, uh, I. Yeah, 
Christ had an insight into. But they still needed forgiven for it. So it's not. It's not as though, you know, it's okay if you're doing evil in ignorance. But. Right. Yeah, he had insight that I don't have. He was in better control of his emotions than I tend to be. Hmm. But I, I don't. That's an understatement. You know, but it, it, it's a testimony to he, he didn't back down. That's that's the thing. Like Christ was, Christ did not change his message in order to keep from going to the cross, in order to keep from being crucified, which is which is what we're told to do now by by Christians. By the, by the hypocrites. Um, now you need to change your tone. The person who unfriended you for saying what you said, his post was every bit as blunt and forceful and true and un, unexplained as your comment. So you basically responded in kind to what he did, and he didn't like it. So if you're going to be... It's, it's one thing for these people to be well I don't want to be I don't want to be real uh, aggressive in my fa- and there are people that are that way there are people who genuinely are non-confrontational those are not the people who are posting incendiary things on public, social media John the Baptist Paul those were very uh, confrontational right believers right and so if you're a Christian who prefers to have one-on-one conversations and, and not you know, not engage in conflict, then you shouldn't be posting things about Roe versus Wade on social media. Because if you want to keep things quiet and peaceful and intimate in your conversations, you can't post about Roe versus Wade. You're, you're violating your own rules. There was, uh, at the very end, like, the, the last thing that happened last night at the show was a vet yelling out, <laughs> I just want to say, what did he say? Uh, yeah, we'd be thankful that Roe versus Wade. Praise God for yeah. that Roe versus Wade ruling, and there is more to come. Mm-hmm. And there were some in the audience that were looking around, like, are we, is everybody okay with are this statement? Are we going to go here? It yeah. was such a weird way to, to wrap it up. But that's, that's the thing, if you're going to say something divisive. It needs to be something that you are not ashamed of and won't be pushed off that perch. Because if you're unsure, don't throw that out there. Right. Because you're not ready to fight it. Right. And if you get pushed off that perch, that says a lot more than your statement did. And that's what happens. Christians get a little fire in them and they post something that they're not, they haven't thought through or fully understand and then they get destroyed. And then right. they're like, well, I'm never saying anything again. Well, no, but think through right well think through your position and if you're slight right onto the I-75 north if ramp you're then not, merge onto I-75 north if you're not prepared to yeah stand on it defend it then and be quiet um, most of the things that I say most not all most of the things that I post I have thought about and occasionally I, I still bungle it. Occasionally I still make a mistake. Well, yeah, don't be hard-headed about it. If somebody comes up with a, a counterpoint that you hadn't 
you know, or a verse you hadn't really thought of, you know, there should be, there should be some constructive conversation and maybe moving of positions a little bit. Um, right. But if you have a, if you have a well thought out position, if you have a position that holds water, um, and you, and you say it, that puts you in a minority. Continue on I-75 North for 66 miles. Most people, many people, I don't want to say most. Yeah, I think I can say most. Most people are not willing to defend their point of view. Um, there are there's a certain number of people who are who are willing to bluster. You know, they'll get mad and they'll argue, but they're just stubborn. They're just hard headed, and they're not really defending their point of view as much as they are just trying to shout you down so that you'll stop picking it apart. And that's... Most most people are not able to articulate what they believe and why they believe it. And that includes Christians. And that's one of the issues that we have. This has been going on for a long time. This isn't just starting like this week. But there's been generations of Christians who... Are, just don't know what Christianity is. They don't read their Bibles. There's a lot of Christians that never read the Bible. Um, and they think that letting letting the preacher throw a couple of verses at them on Sunday is sufficient. But they just don't have any theology. They don't have any they don't have any reasons for what they believe. And so and you start to see that play out in their lives when Christians started getting divorced at the same rate as everybody outside the church and uh, now we've got Christians that are that are gay you know and now we've got Christians that are that are on board with abortion and it's like there's no difference between what the, what the church people believe and what the people outside of the church believe and so yeah if the if if I am, am I, if I'm okay with everything that the world is doing, but then I get upset with them because of abortion, then yeah, the, the pagans can say, hey, why don't you shut up and stop trying to force your religion on me? Because we're not different on any other level. Yeah, they're not consistent either because they say, you know, a pagan, somebody who doesn't follow your religious views, you know, that's fine. You can't force your religion. you got to love them into the family. But the problem is that once they become Christians, quote-unquote, they still don't make any effort to change their lives or hold them accountable or point out flaws. Like, there is no point where you can judge or or disciple another person. Right. Well, that's because that's because there's no such thing as sin. <laughs> there's just... I'm not... I don't have a problem with divorce. God... You know, God doesn't have a problem with divorce. God doesn't have a problem, really, with abortion. God doesn't have a problem with homosexuality. God doesn't have a problem you want with adultery. Because God, Jesus, God Jesus, doesn't have a problem with adultery. Jesus right? didn't stone her. Right. And so, yeah, there's no difference between the way Christians live and the way the pagans live. And so when the Christians go, you ought to follow Jesus. They're like, well, screw you. Why are you telling me that? It hasn't changed your life. 
we have, this is good stuff. You guys are getting, it's 55 minutes on uh, this little debrief. Are you telling them that it's good stuff? Because I'm telling them that it's good they stuff. They won't know? They won't know. They won't know. You need to listen to this and then listen to it again, actually. <laughs> and then go tell all your friends and pastors to step down. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, that's probably enough. This is Mandy wanted content and she's got content. So <laughs> thanks, Carl. Uh, talk to you soon.